right. Welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. I am Dr. D, a.k.a. Jeff, or the other way around, whatever way you want to look at it. I am your host and voice of Inside My Canoe Head. Today, we are going to talk about physical health and preparedness. So sit back, grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get at her. All right, today I thought, you know what, let's talk about, as they say in zombie land, the most important skill in the apocalypse, which is cardio. But not specifically, we're going to get a lot more in depth into why physical fitness is the first thing we address in our book, Prepared to Simplify, book one, the beginning, and why we talk about it fairly regularly on this podcast and across our social medias. I, I put up usually every morning that I hit the gym. Today's leg day, so uh, I'm doing it later in the day. Uh, normally, I, I put up a, a short 20-second uh, video every day after I finish the gym. because and, I, and a lot of times I talk about what it's like to be in the gym in your 50s because of the importance of physical health. So you have to remember that um, we're going to frame this in the fact that most of us design our physical fitness uh, unintentionally. And we do, what I mean by that is that how we operate in life generally reflects the type of life we live. So for example, your physical fitness is sufficient enough to execute the tasks that you have at hand right now. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing them. So whatever lifestyle you have, whatever career you have, whatever activities you have, you have a corresponding physical fitness that works for that. Otherwise, your life would be pear-shaped and uncomfortable and you would be doing something about it. So, you know, whether you live a sedentary lifestyle like I did uh, when I left my previous employment and became a full-time academic student, or whether you have a very physically demanding job like you are a firefighter, or more likely you are a tradesperson on a construction site. You have a very physically demanding job and therefore you need to maintain a reasonable level of physical fitness, or it's very difficult for you to even get through the day, right? So that's your normal baseline. So when we talk about physical fitness, we're talking about your baseline is whatever it is. And then we insert chaos. Because remember, preparedness is all about your ability to navigate significant disruptions, things that alter your normal course of daily operations. You live your, we're all different, right? We all live our lives differently. We all do different things. We accomplish different things. We look at things differently. We're completely individualistic animals on the face of this earth. And I think that's incredible, right? An emergency in disaster and emergency management uh, theology is basically that. It's something that comes along and causes you to alter your normal operations and do something else. Those are times of chaos. And when you're in times of chaos, you're adding significant uncertainty and stress. So now you're going to put increased demands on your normal daily operations, increased demands on your physical body to execute tasks with less sleep, interruptions with nutrition, higher levels of anxiety, stress in your family, potentially significant uncertainty and how you enter that uh, period of chaos, how you enter that 
Significant time of uncertainty is very indicative of your outcome. So when you enter a significant event in a state of high readiness, which means you are both physically, mentally, financially capable of executing the tasks that may come forward, they are far easier to execute. That's why we talk about those three things in the book and on this podcast as being in preparedness, the first things you have to address are your physical health, your mental health, and your financial health. Nothing to do with equipment, nothing to do with supplies, nothing to do with stockpiles, nothing to do with flashlights, nothing to do with evacuation. None of that stuff matters if you don't have at least a start grip on your physical health, your mental health, and your financial health, which is why today we're dedicating this episode to talk about the three constructive parts of your physical health, which is exercise, diet, and sleep. And before we jump right into that, I just want to shout out and thank all of you who have been reaching out with comments on the previous episodes, dropping me DMs and emails at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. If you have something to comment about the episode, if you have something you want to hear, if you think I'm wrong and desperately inaccurate, please tell me as well, because some people do, and I do appreciate that. Um, you're not going to hurt my feelings. If you follow this, you understand that I am a stoic, which means I don't believe that other individuals can cause me to change my emotions. Uh, it's weird. We're going to talk about that in a future episode. But the point being is, is I need your feedback to understand whether I'm delivering the content that you want to. You're listening to this. This is free of charge to you. If you want this to be of service to you beyond what you hear, it is up to you to reach out and tell me that. If I'm doing something incredibly well, tell your friends, tell them to drop and listen to the episode. If I'm doing something wrong, you need to tell me. And a shout out to all of you who are purchasing my book that is available on www.insidemycanoehead.ca. There's an option there to get it uh, from the Kobo company. If you have a Kobo e-reader, and if you don't go to the buy me a coffee link that is there, and you will get an EPUB in your email that is simply loadable in whatever program you have. So it's it's perfectly way to do it. Um, and then give me a comment. Give me a like. Tell, tell me what you think of the book. There are four more that are coming um, and they're planned. And right now we're having a 60-day gap in this beginning of the writing of the second book because what I want to understand from everybody out there in the world of preparedness, people who consume this material, is it delivered in the way you want? Are you getting the information you want? Does it make sense? Would you like to have seen something else? So before I take off and head down a road that I think is totally appropriate, but yet my my listeners and my readers want something distinctly different, I'm asking you to go out there, get that book, have a read, give me a comment, tell me what you like and what you want to hear. So back to the principal area of this uh, podcast episode, exercise, diet, and sleep. Let's first talk about exercise. Every time you hear some Yahoo voice get on and say, you got to get fit, you got to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. You just want to turn that off, right? Like seriously. Like, do you need another person yammering at you about your state? The point here is this, is that you need to be functionally capable, right? Functionally capable. I don't care what you look like, right? This is not a question of whether you look good. Now, if you want to look good for yourself in the mirror, That's a personal thing between you and that incredible person staring back at you at the morning. The point being is is that as a human, you have a responsibility to yourself and those for whom you're responsible are to be functionally capable. And what does that mean? Well, 
staring out of the hype of everything that you see online, when you look at anthropologically how the human species is designed, we're principally designed to do three tasks. First is to walk long distances. I'm talking 30, 40, 50 kilometers, 30, 40 miles. Not not carrying heavily loads or anything and going off-road, just your ability to walk out your front door right now and walk for 20 kilometers. We were built to carry heavy loads, periodically carry heavy loads. So that means your ability to pick up something of significant weight and carry it around. Can you pick up a 30-pound or a 20-pound bag of rice and carry it you know, around your house for 10 minutes. Your ability to pick up heavy things and move them, that's a functional requirement of the human body. And the last one is to sprint short distances, to run at full-on speed. Now, I'm not talking jogging, not at all. I'm talking your ability to sprint, which means your ability to both go and save something and to get the heck away from something. And both of those are built into your anthropological structure and the way you were designed. So if you think of exercise from that perspective, when you think of exercise from the point of, I want to maintain or increase my ability to execute the functional task for which nature has designed me, you get away from the, oh, I'm overweight, uh, I don't want to go to the gym and, you know, be around all these people in tight spandex and grunting and groaning and all that other stuff. You look at it from your ability to execute your functional requirements as a human being, right? And this will vary to the extent by which the type of lifestyle you live, right? But you still have to have these functional requirements. If you're a parent, you still have to pick up your 25-pound child and carry them around all day. If if you've, we've all had the whiny toddler, right? You're going to have to pick them up and carry them. You need to be able to do that. That's a heavy load, right? If your toddler's about to fall into a swimming pool and can't swim, you're going to need to sprint to that location, right? You're going to need to be able to do that. Um, if you're running away from somebody who is accosting you, you're going to need to be able to get out of that situation post-haste. So these are functional requirements, and that's the idea of exercise, right? Um, there, there's always the, the argument about weight control, how much should I weigh, right? And you can look at BMI charts. The general guidelines are there, right? I am a 5 foot 11 male. And no matter what system you look at, on or about, about 170 to 180 pounds is the appropriate weight for an average male of five foot 11 who has an average or normal muscular build, right? Now, if I am an absolute gym rat and I'm pounding away and I'm deadlifting like my friend Scants out there or something like that, I might approach 200, but there really is arguably very little evidence to say that any male of five foot 11 should have a two in front of their weight. And I do right now. If you follow me on social media, I, I weigh 216 pounds, started 234. I'm 18 pounds down and I'm on my way to 180 or less. Uh, this is going to be a year-long process. It took me a lot longer than a year to get this big. It's going to take me a year to get back to an appropriate house. I, I'm not going to prescribe anything out there. 
I prefer to look at like the Canadian Armed Forces did when they redesigned their physical fitness test. They design it on a functional. It's called the force test. I'm not going to get into what it is, but it's a bunch of series of physical tasks that mirror tasks that you need to be able to do to execute your function as a member of the military. Very simple, like drag a casualty, right? Casualty is going to weigh 200 pounds. It doesn't matter whether you're four foot 11, 95 pound female or a 250 pound bench pressing monster male. Your task is to move a 200 pound injured soldier. You have a period of length to grab it and you have to go and do it. It's a functional test, right? So these tests were designed to then take away gender, take away age, take away all of these standards and say, this is the standard that you need to be able to execute to be capable of fulfilling your role within the military, right? It's a very standardized test. So exercise, remember, very much focused on that. Now diet, we love food. We're designed to eat food. And one of the key things that I frame about diet to take us out of that ridiculous set of arguments that are online is to remember the fact that we as humans are part of the environment. We are not on top of it. We are part of the ecosystem that exists on earth. So if you take away all the crap that's out there, let's just call it that to be politically correct. You are designed by nature to consume the food produced by nature, right? You weren't designed to eat something out of a factory. You were designed like every other animal on the face of this earth to eat naturally occurring nutrients, to eat naturally occurring food, which is why I say in the book that I don't care if you're a pescatarian, vegan, carnivore, vegetarian, whether you're herbivore, omnivore, con- carnivore, it, it, like none of that matters. I, I don't care. Go down whatever road you want for an ideological perspective or a health perspective, you can find evidence, uh, peer-reviewed article evidence to back up pretty much any diet that you want to have. That's how peer review works. Um, The end result is, is you need to eat food. Food is produced by nature. It doesn't come with a barcode and it doesn't get manufactured by man. That the best healthy guidance out there is Figure out what works for you. Figure out what sets of food are easily digestible by you that you find enjoyable to eat and provide you the basic macronutrients that you need and and then eat food. And the last part of diet is is really, um, really simple in that we historically really up until the last, I don't know, 200 years, we we ate socially. Humans eat socially. That's how we do really, really well. You gather, uh, if you look at some cultures, Italian, some of the French cultures, you know, Greeks as well. I mean, the Greeks are wonderful at this, you know, supper and whatever your family meal is at the end of the day, when everybody has done all of their life activities and they've returned together to the home. And I talk about this in preparedness all the time, returning to the home, everybody has gathered That meal is a social event where everybody gets to discourse, to talk about their day, their concerns, things that happen in the day. It is not, it's not uncommon in a lot of cultures for that to be a two to two and a half hour event. I'm dead serious. People don't get together for breakfast or lunch. You're out and about, you're taking on the world, you're doing whatever it is, but you come together at a period of time, you know, six, 7 PM in some cultures, we don't, they don't start till. And then you have this social event where you have 
five or six, you know, servings, five or six different courses. You have wine, you have what, whatever it may be, and it's a joyous, happy event where you have a table where everybody in your family is around for hours talking about life, the universe, and everything. When you eat socially, you eat slowly. When you eat slowly, you give your body the time to send the signals to your brain that you're full and your ability to overeat is far reduced, right? The end result here in, in diet is simple is that uh, you control what goes into your pie hole and that is directly proportionally related to your health, your quality of life, your weight, and your mental health. There is a direct correlation to your state of mind, your anxiety level, and your diet. But diet's not that complicated. Just eat food, my friends. But the last one here and one that is very important and is the subject of much argument and debate is sleep. And again, I'll go back to your natural cycle and get away from the argument that you see online about types of sleep or whatever. The sleep cycle in the human animal is no different than the sleep cycle in other animals in this world. Because remember, like I said before, we are part of this environment where animals like every other animal on the face of this earth. When a human being goes near, ver near horizontal or horizontal and begins the sleep cycle, that is the time when your body repairs itself, right? If you think about the amount of energy as a finite that's in an animal, right? You can come up with any system you want, but the idea is, is that all of that energy that is normally focused on daily operations, sight, sound, just doing your thing when you're awake is now focused on repair. That's when your body repairs your muscles, right? That's when your body takes the proteins and everything that are in your system and begins to repair muscles that you broke down in the gym or that you wore out or injuries that happen. This is where your body does a lot of work of uh, repairing older injuries, cleaning out cysts. It's, it's when your body needs the time and sleep to get itself ready for the next day. Think about sleep in the context of being preventative maintenance. That's what it is for the human system. Your sleep is preventative maintenance and it's your ability to get things ready to take on the day and to fix things that went wrong. And there was a uh, famous sleep expert on Joe Rogan and he's got a great quote and I'm gonna you know mess this up a little bit, but it goes something along the lines of, the number of human beings who can function without issue with less than six hours sleep, considering all factors and rounded to the nearest whole number is zero. Now you can function with less than six hours sleep, but you are functioning impaired. You may not think so. You may not believe it, but this is the beauty of research. You need at least six hours of sleep in every 24-hour cycle to be able to function without impairment. It's just science. I, I don't care if you believe it. I don't care if you think you're an anomaly. That's the science. So the idea here is people say, I don't get enough sleep. How do I get sleep? So when you look at the research, right, and I'm not going to advocate for you to get up at 4.30 in the morning or 2.30 in the morning like some celebrities do. If you want to get more sleep, get up early. And the reason for that is, is you can control when you wake every day 
you cannot control when you go to sleep. You can't say, okay, well, it's 10 o'clock. It's time to go to bed. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to lay down and close my eyes and force myself into sleep. We've all tried that. It doesn't work that way. But if you get up at every day at a certain time, so most days I rise at 5.30. So my alarm goes off at 5.30. I get up, right? By 9.30 at night, if I'm not pouring too much black coffee into me, by 9.30 at night, I'm a groggy mess, right? My system is giving me all the signals that it needs to enter a repair cycle. And it's time for me to go to ground, as we say in the army, right? So sleep, get your sleep. Let your body do what it's naturally designed to do, repair itself, fix injuries, and get yourself set up for success. Well, to come around back to the basics again, remember, the argument that I'm presenting to you here today is that physical fitness is the first and primary thing to address in your preparedness journey. In your journey to adopting a prepared life, physical fitness is number one, physical health right? And that's made up of three things, which is exercise, diet, and sleep. And always look at it from a natural animalistic requirement instead of the latest fad that's on TV. You have functional requirements as a human that you need to be able to execute. You need to be able to do this because when times of calamity happen, when chaos and uncertainty strikes, you are going to have interruptions in your sleep cycle. You're going to have interruptions in your dietary. You're going to have higher degree of stress and anxiety. You're going to have people around you that are ultimately losing their you-know-what. And life is just going to be incredibly more stressful. You want to start that disruption from a period of strong physical health. And again, I'm not talking about way X. I'm not talking about look like Y in the mirror. It's not about a six pack. It's about you being able to functionally execute the tasks for which you may or may not be likely task to execute, right? When you start having to dig through rubble to get somebody out of a, um, buried under a shed or something that fell on them in in some event, uh, you want to be physically fit. That's not the time to start a gym routine, right? And remember, I'm not talking about the gym. Nobody, I go to the gym simply because I'm just the human that needs that kind of motivation. I need the human to have a place to go to, okay? I don't need it. I could get the same weight training exercise uh, on body weight from home for free, right? Everybody can. Preparedness is free. I'll tell you that 100 times out of 100. There are no economic barriers to preparedness. Um, The people who tell you there are economic barriers to preparedness are also the people that are probably selling you something that is going to help you with preparedness, and therefore you have to expend money. So remember, you just need to work on your physical health. And this is a continuous thing. This is not, you need to get to standard Y and then you're done. You need to adopt exercise. You need to adopt a proper diet, whatever that may be, whatever you want, just eat food, eat socially, enjoy it, love it. If it causes you problems when you die, stop eating it, right? This is not rocket science, right? It's not. Uh, and then you need to get six hours sleep. And and when we put that together and we tell people that really your road to preparedness starts with setting your physical health, your mental health, and your financial health on the journey to preparedness, people understand that it's not I need to get physically fit first before I do anything. It's that I need to address my physical health first. I need to look in the mirror and say, hey, 
Nobody else is responsible for the state of my physical health but me. Nobody is responsible for the future state of my physical health but me. I understand that if I'm going to adopt a prepared life, I need to have a certain physical capacity that can always be better or I may not have it now. And therefore, it's my responsibility to execute tests to get it. Now I'm on that journey, right? Now the roadmap is laid out. I know what I'm doing and I'm working towards it. For example, when I started my weight loss journey, I weighed 234 pounds. My ideal weight is about 180. Okay. That's 54 pounds that I have to lose. I'm trying to lose a significant percentage of my body weight. And the healthy way to do that is one to two pounds a week. So I had to look myself in the mirror and said, if I accelerate this big fella, you're going to be done in 26 weeks, 27 weeks. If you do it in the slow, methodical, safest way, you're going to be at this for a year. And, and it's not overnight and, and it's not perfect. And you're going to mess up every once in a while. I went on a vacation. I had a few wobbly pops and food I probably should have. But the point is, is I'm on that journey, right? I am uh, 122 days into the journey and I am uh, 18 pounds lower. So, you know, I'm losing a pound about a week, maybe a little bit more than that, but I'm on that journey. It's going to take me a while. I'm the one responsible for getting to 234. I'm the one responsible for getting to 180. I, I was eating whatever disgusting, horrible food that I could, you know, my chippies, my snackies, my ice cream, all that other stuff. So what do I do? I had found a diet that worked for me, right? It's not going to work for everybody else. I eat a carnivore diet. Um, that's just because for digestive systems, that works for me. Now, you want to be a pescatarian, you want to be a vegan, ethical, ideological, however you look at it, that's great. Just eat food. And sleep again. I, I was having trouble sleeping, difficulty sleeping. So I looked at the research and uh, I get up early. I force myself out of bed. And then I, for me, it's I cut off coffee at uh, in the middle of the afternoon. So by 9.30 at night, 10 o'clock, much to my wife's laughter, I'm a slobbering fool because I'm so tired I can barely stand up. And right now with the NHL playoffs on, it's hilarious because I love hockey. It's the one thing that I, I get up to watch and that I actually pay for streaming. So um, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, listen to us today at Inside My Canoe Head. Please drop us a like and a follow wherever you choose to listen to this podcast. Drop over to www.insidemycanoehead.ca. Check out all of the things that we have to offer there. Uh, if you're interested, uh, the book is available there. As I say, uh, we have in the month of July, we're going to be launching our preparedness course. This is going to be something distinctly different in the format. And when we explain it to you in the coming weeks, I think you'll find that very intuitive. And in the end, if you appreciate what we do here, please drop over to buy me a coffee slash I am Canoehead and buy me a coffee. It's just a simple gesture. It's non-reoccurring it's non and I appreciate it. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us today. Enjoy your day. Have a great one out there and we'll be back at you next week.